Good morning. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 27. We're going to be in Matthew 27. So while you're turning there to Matthew 27, um, boy, I don't know if you noticed when you pulled up in the parking lot, but the building's starting to look like a building, isn't it? I mean, we're this close to the outside being done. They just have some trim work and some, some gutters to put on it and um, some doors, and we got some different doors coming for the front, but it, it's coming together. So right now, you need to start marking your calendar because we're going to need help, lots of help from Mr. James and Mr. Richard, lots of help. Bill, lots of help. And so, because it's going to start getting fast and furious around here, Brother Howard actually took a week's vacation this week to take Miss Dolly out of town because he said, I probably won't see you till August. And so, um, so just pray for them as they're traveling and, and resting and having a good time. And while I'm thinking about it, I'll actually be out of town from Thursday to next Sunday. I have a nephew getting married in Hot Springs, Arkansas. So I'm actually a card-carrying officiant in Arkansas now. I got a card, literally, that says I can marry people in Arkansas. It costs me $5. And so, um, so anyway, so next Sunday, Brother Frank is going to be bringing a word and he's going to be talking about discipleship. And, you know, believe it or not, we have a detailed plan for discipleship and he's going to reveal all that next Sunday. And him and Mike's been working on a really, really cool handout and stuff like that. So that's next Sunday. Well, this week, um, you know, Donnie mentioned, you know, besides everything going on with the building and getting to see God work out there in that, um, in that area, last Sunday, I will, I'm just going to be honest. At 9.15, I walked over to check Sunny School because we had our first group over there, and um, the online wasn't working. And I'm telling you right now, technology is going to be the death of your pastor. And so I looked at it, and I couldn't get it working so I walked back over here and I got over here and you have to remember, I'm only running on about 80% energy from COVID still. And so I walked back over here and then I said, Ooh, I got another idea. So I run back over there as quick as my legs would carry me. And I told Mike, I said, all right, you got to go do this. And so I sent Mike and I come back over here. Literally when I walked up on stage, that's, I got back in just in time. Well, then at 1030, our technology wasn't working for the live stream over here. And so I had to come get Caleb off the stage at 1030 and get him. And, you know, he's a genius with that stuff. And he got it fixed real quick. And so, and, you know, you, you never know the power of all this stuff. And I got in my truck and on the way home, I had a, um, a couple call me from Hendersonville, Tennessee. And they said, hey, is this Pastor Johnny? And I said, yeah. And they said, we're from Hendersonville, Tennessee. And we was watching your service online because you shared it. Um, you shared the service from your Facebook and we're friends with somebody. I don't know. I don't know how that works, but it works. And they saw it and they said, we have questions. And they started asking me questions and they started asking. And the more we talked, the more we talked, the more we talked within just a little bit, I had an opportunity to lead them on the Lord on the telephone because of technology that I thought was going to be the death of me an hour before that, you know, and then Monday morning I, I get up and uh, I, I'm, a, I'm an early riser and I was up in the back room and I actually was about to walk out and take the dogs out about six o'clock Monday morning. My phone rang six o'clock Monday morning. A man from Waco, Texas called. He said, hey, I was watching your service online. I found it because of a friend that you had shared. It showed up and all that. You still don't understand all that, but it showed up and he watched it. More questions. He prayed and accepted Christ. So God's moving. 
you know, and so one day this week I was driving up Highway 16 like I've done, you know, 158,000 miles at least in the last six months and was going up the road and I saw a lady having a flat tire. And so I, I wasn't nobody else with her. So I turned around, I went back and I was helping her change her tire. And as we just started talking, God just started infiltrating that conversation. And the more we talked, the more we talked, the more we talked, I had the opportunity to lead her to the Lord. And so God's moving, but we have to be watching and we have to be aware. You know, and I'm going to be real honest, this morning's um, message is um, not for the faint of heart. We've been talking about the, the journey to the cross and we've talked about all the different steps from the two different gardens to the, to the betrayal and all that. And this week we're going to be talking about the actual what happened to Jesus. And I think a lot of times at least in my life, you kind of gloss over that. Oh, Jesus was crucified. You don't go into the details because you don't want to hear the details. But I think for us to really move forward in our walk with God, for us to be the witnesses that we need to be for God and to really understand, we have to understand what he done for us. Because it was not a cakewalk. It was not an easy thing that happened. And so let's start reading this morning. We're going to be in Matthew 27. We're going to start in verse 19. It said, while Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man, for I've suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. But the chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas to have Jesus, to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of you two do you want me, which of the two do you want me to release to you, asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do, do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah, Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead the uproar was starting, but an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I'm, an innocent, I'm innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. And then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the, the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they set it on his head, and they put a staff in his right hand. And then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of Jew, hail the king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again. And after they mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to, be, to crucify him. And as they were going out, they met a man, named, a man from Cyrene named Simon. And they forced him to carry the cross. And they came to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. And they offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. And when they crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Father, we come to you right now, Lord, just to say that we love you, Father. And I just ask this morning, Father, that we just see you in a real way. Father, we see what you sent your son to do for us for us and that father will leave here changed people 
So, Father, even right now, Father, clear our hearts, clear our souls, clear our minds, Father, and let us hear from you and you only in the next moments. Father, we love you. In Son's name I pray. Amen. You know, whenever you start looking at that, you know, and I mentioned a minute ago that, um, that this was not going to be for the faint of heart because what we're going to be talking about today is the whip, the hammer, and the cross. And those three things was well-known instruments of torture. And back in that day, the Roman soldiers was highly trained in how to do this because of the way it was supposed to be done, it was not supposed to be a quick death. It was supposed to be a long torture, drawn-out event that ended in death if it was done right, but the in-between was supposed to be merciless, and it was supposed to hurt and be painful. And so when you start looking at how this was done, you know, and um, the outcome was death, like we said, but they had to suffer. And what we need to remember is that Jesus did this willingly for us. Jesus did this willingly for you and for me and for our neighbors and for our family. And so what did he do whenever you start looking? You know, and th this whip is as close as I could do. You know, growing up, my uncle had a saddle shop. And me and my brother, we had all kind of leather whips back then. I couldn't find a whip around here. Nobody has a whip no more. This is as close as Tractor Supply had. This is a long one. I can't bring this home because Tammy will chase me with this one. But, um, but you know, they, this, it was a whip. But it wasn't a whip exactly like this because you can imagine how this has this coming off of it. But those whips back then that those Roman soldiers used, it had nine strands on it, some of them. And the one that they used on Jesus. And on each one of those strands, it was either leather or it was a steel ball or it was fragments of sheep bones and stuff like that. And so that's what they used a whip. And then they used a hammer. And it was probably a little bit bigger than this one, but they used a hammer and then the cross. And when you start looking at these things and you start looking, you know, this whip was grace. This hammer was mercy. That cross was love and the things that happened on it. And we're going to come back and we're going to talk more about those things. And, you know, whenever you look at the whip and you don't have to turn here, I'm going to read several verses as we go through this morning. But in, in Mark chapter 15, verse 15, it said, Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them, and he had Jesus flogged, and he handed him over to be crucified. In Isaiah 53, 5, it says, But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, and the punishment was brought, that brought us peace on him, by his wounds we are healed. And so, you know, whenever you go back and you read this and you have to understand that Pilate had the power to release Jesus. And according to the Jewish custom back then, they could pick one of two people to be released. And so Pilate gave them Barabbas. It was a known murderer. And then he had Jesus. And you have to understand that they couldn't find anything wrong with Jesus. Even to the point that Pilate's wife sent him a message and said, leave him alone, run from this. You know, and so Pilate, when he went back to the people, he said, look, you, I'll release this murderer or I'll release this innocent man. But the chief of priests and all that back then, they were so set against Jesus. They said, release the murderer. They went around in the crowd and they worked the crowd and said, vote for the murderer, vote for the murderer. We want to crucify Jesus. And so Pilate literally got a, a, 
a, a, a pail, a, a, a pan of water. And he washed his hands and he said, I'm washing my hands of this man. This man's blood is not on me. This is on you and you only. If you want to kill an innocent man, I'm not going to be part of this. And so then he sent him, as in custom back then, the first thing that they did was that they, they whipped him. They, they literally took this whip. And, and remember, it had more tails than what this one had. But can you imagine a whip hitting you? And what they would do, you know, just imagine this didn't have the crossbeam. They tied Jesus to a pole. Literally, they tied him to a pole. And they took his clothes off. He was naked. Tied to a pole. And then these Roman soldiers that was trained, they would hit him. Hit him over and over. But even that was an art. Because I'm telling you, those Romans had it figured, the Roman soldiers had it figured out. They knew that if they hit him 40 times, it would kill him. So whenever they would torture, it would be 40 minus one. And that meant that they didn't want him killed. And so they hit Jesus 39 times. 39 times. Can you imagine being tied to a pole, buck naked in front of everybody, and you're having a whip? It's not got just one string, but it's got eight or nine strings. And whenever it hits, it's not like it's just hitting you. But it's whenever they pull it back, that's where the artwork started for them. Because as they pulled it back across his back, it would cut. Not only cut, but it would tear. And it would pull. And I'm telling you, it's not for the faint of heart because you have to understand what Jesus did for you. And that's just a preliminary stage. 39 times, 39 times, you had all those fingers of leather coming across his back. All those fingers of leather that was cutting and tearing his back for me and for you. He survived that. And then what did they do? They brought him into this room. They brought him in there and all the soldiers gathered around him. And then they took and they, they made a crown of, of thorns that says, you know, and the thorns were not like briars that, we, that I used to run through when I used to rabbit hunt and stuff, little bitty briars like that. These were thorns. And they made that crown and they put it on his head, but it didn't just sit on his head. What does it say that they did after that? They hit him, hit him, and they hit him, and they hit him in the head. So can you imagine having those thorns drove deeper and deeper into your head? And remember, he's doing that because of you and because of me, because of the love that he had. Remember in the garden when all this started, whenever Adam and Eve ate from that fruit, that's what set this into motion. All these hundreds of years later was Jesus being tortured like this. You know, and so then what happens, you know, he goes to the next stage, to the hammer. You know, and in Acts 2, 23, it says, the man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan. Do you hear that? The man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge in you with the help of wicked men to put him to death by nailing him to the cross. And in Acts 17, verse 31, it says, for God has a set a day when he will judge the world with the justice 
by the man who was appointed. And he has given proof to this by all men by raising him from the dead. You know, so, you know, not only was it, did they whip him, not only did they hit him 39 times, but then they went to the cross, you know, and the cross back then was in two different pieces. You had the upright and then you had the cross beam and a cross beam, they estimated weighed between 75 and 125 pounds. And can you imagine you've just been beat or been whipped 39 times with a whip. So you're back and they would literally hit from the top of the shoulders to the heel of your feet. So his whole back were shredded. And I'm just being real. And then they took him away from there, remember, and then they hit him on the head with a club and drove the crown into his head. And then they make him carry the crossbeam, and at that point he's so weak he can't do it. That's when they grab Simon and Serene, and they say, all right, carry this, and they get there. But then you have to imagine, whenever they get there, this is what they put in him. A seven to nine inch Square spike. That's eight inches. They took these and they drove them. But see, they not only drove it, but when you go back and study, they took ropes and tied to his hands. When they laid him on that cross, they stretched his arm as far as it could. And when they drove that spike in him, when they drove that in, not only did it drive in, but it severed that nerve and it made his hand come up like a claw because it cut that nerve. So his back has been shredded. He's been beat on the head with a club. Now he's lost the nerve endings in both hands and his feet. But then they stand that cross up. Seeing again, the cross was not meant for immediate death. Because as he hung on that cross, as he hung on that cross, you know, for him to breathe, he could inhale, but they say to exhale, he'd have to push up so that he could exhale. So he's hanging on his cross, his back's been shredded, his head's been hit. He's had nails drove through his hands and his feet. So it's not like he's standing here on this platform like me and he can raise up like this. He is literally pushing all his weight up with one nail. And he's having to hold on to like this and push himself up, pull himself up to breathe. Is that not terrible? See, but we, we gloss over that. We say, oh, Jesus was crucified for us. And we hang pretty crosses in our house. But that cross was death. That cross was torture. That cross was everything that it shouldn't have been for God's Son. In John 19, verse 17, it says, Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of, of the skull, which is Golgotha, where they crucified him with two others on his side. On, in him in the middle. Isaiah 59 2. It says, Your iniquities have separated you from God, and your sins have hidden his face so that you cannot hear. You know, so whenever you start looking at this and you start seeing our sins separated us, and remember, whenever we talked a few weeks ago, because of our sins back then, before Jesus, they would. They would um, sacrifice lambs. They would sacrifice animals for our sins. But right now, what he just went through, his back being shredded, his head being beat, the thorns in his head, you know, the nails being driven in his hands and his feet, 
All of that was to become that sacrifice. All of that was for us. And what do we do with it? As believers, do we live like we believe what he really did for us? As believers, do we live with an urgency to tell other people, let me tell you what my God did for me. Let me tell you what my God did. Let me tell you what my God's done in my life. Do we live with an urgency to tell people, you know, so that they hear? And I'm just being honest and I'm just being real. You know what a lot of times we do? We do just like Pilate. We put our hands in that bucket of water and we wash our hands of people around us, don't we? We say, you know something? That person's wronged me. That person's wronged my family. That person's lifestyle don't meet my expectations. So I'm washing my hands of them. I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. And we might not physically say those words, but whenever we don't witness to them and we turn our backs on them, that's exactly what we're doing. We're pulling a pilot. We're washing our hands of them. And that's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to live for him every day. He calls us to live for us, to live for him in such a way that people have to see him. If we want to see a change in our family, put him first. If we want to see a change in our friend groups, put him first. If we want to see a change in our community, put him first. And again, I know this morning, whenever I was getting ready for the day, this was not going to be for the faint of heart. This was not going to be easy to picture because none of us want to see that. None of us want to watch that. None of us want to replay that in our mind. But that's what he did for us. We have to understand what God sent his son to do for us. And when we really understand it, then we're going to live like it. And we're going to take it to the world. Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, just to say that we love you. Father, and I thank you for today. Father, I thank you for this opportunity that we have just to come and talk about your love. Father, and how we can see mercy and grace and love through a whip, a hammer, and a cross. Father, and there might be some in here this morning, Father, they've never started that journey with you. Father, they've never asked you to become the Lord of their life. Father, they've never asked you to take that position in their life, Father. Father, let today be that day that, that they come to a full surrender with you. Father, today, Father, there might be some, Father, that want to make Live Oak their home. Father, there's some that need to come back. Father, they need to return back to you, Father, and start living for you the way they used to. But Father, right now, Father, give us the courage that we need, Father, to step out. Father, give us that courage we need to be obedient. Father, because now we really understand what you did for us. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. In the Son's name I pray. Amen. I'm asking you to stand with